Your Majesty, if you were king, you wouldn't be afraid of anything? Not nobody. Not know-how. Not even a rhinoceros? Imposterous. How about a hippopotamus? Why, I'd trash him from top to bottom. Supposing you met an elephant? I'd rat him up elephant. What if it were a brontosaurus? I'd show him who's king of the forest. How? How? Courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast away? What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. What makes the hot and top so hot? What puts the ape in apron cups? What are they got that I ain't got? Courage. You could say that again. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up that clip from The Wizard of Oz from, what, 1938, something like that. You know, courage. You know, uh, the greatest the greatest part in that, in that speech is the last line, what have they got that I ain't got? Courage. I think that was, uh, I think that's a lesson for Joe Biden and his whole administration. You know, I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes about the uh, the way Iran and the uh, terrorists in, in uh, the Middle East are attacking U.S. troops. And all it takes is a little courage to show them you can't mess with the United States. But we're lacking. What is it, what is the problem with our uh, with our leadership in in United in Washington D.C.? What have they got that we don't got? Courage, and that's a uh, that's a big uh, that's a big thing to be missing when you're uh, the president of the United States. Uh, that song was "Mighty Wings" from Cheap Trick from the uh, Top Gun soundtrack from 1986. Um, I thought that would be a little bit of inspiration because this is what we what we need in America is a little inspiration to. Uh, to, to get aggressive and get and take control and let everybody know that that we're strong and don't mess with us 
and clearly the world is messing with us. They smell blood in the water, as we'll talk about, and they smell weakness, and they know the, the whole world knows there's only 11 months left. There's only 11 months left of the weakness in America till uh, we put uh, Donald Trump back in the White House, and all their opportunity goes away, so watch. Watch what we see in America. Watch what we see happening in uh uh, with all these people that have come across our border from all these different countries that we don't know who they are and watch watch for another 9-11 to happen. Watch for, uh, you know, keep your guns loaded. Make sure you've got lots of ammo because something big is probably going to happen before Election Day or before certainly before January 20th of next year. And uh, it's probably not going to be good. Um, you know, I got a little taste of America. I went to visit my daughter, Casey, who moved to West Virginia a year and a half ago. Don and I haven't been out there and uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, um, not as, not as bad as I expected it actually. You know, we flew into Pittsburgh and drove from, uh, Pittsburgh PA, uh, down into West Virginia. And, uh, until the last 10 minutes to the last 10 minutes, I'm going, Hey, this, this looks like a normal America here. Looks like normal America. In uh, the last ten minutes of driving, we got into some some uh, back hills roads, getting to their house. But you know, uh, after we got there and spent five days with uh, with uh, her and her husband, um, it was uh, quite peaceful, quite peaceful. And that's the that's the new America. And nobody has to. Everybody can work from home, and you can basically live anywhere you want. And uh, I will say, if I had to choose between between West Virginia and Los Angeles. Uh, West Virginia doesn't have as quite as many restaurants, but they have restaurants. They, I didn't see any, I didn't see any movie theaters any, anywhere close. Um, but that's just because we didn't get out that much, but we went, we found uh, some pretty cool bars, some pretty cool uh, West Virginia bars with some pretty cool food and a couple of good restaurants. And, uh, you know, it's America out there. It's America out there, and uh, which is a lot more than I can say for uh, Southern California these days. So anyway, so I'm going to talk about what's going on this this week and uh, this week in America, and uh, why I picked Courage and uh, Mighty Wings to open up uh, open up this this week's show. But first, before I do, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman. I'm with United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're uh, ready to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and as interest rates go down, opportunities go up. Um, and we see uh, we've seen a significant drop in interest rates in the last in the last few months, and uh, we will see even more significant in, uh, drop in interest rates in the next year as uh, as the economy uh, as the economy is going in some bad times. Today today Friday morning uh, they announced the uh, jobs report and said that uh, the administration created uh, three hundred fifty thousand new jobs in. Uh, in uh, America in, in January, which is all BS. It's all BS. The 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 reality is they lost two million six hundred thirty five thousand um, jobs, and then they made a seasonal adjustment. So in December, when you're doing jobs reports, and you know that everybody's adding Christmas help, um, they don't make a seasonal adjustment. They talk about how many people got hired, but then in January, when everybody lays off, they make a seasonal seasonal adjustment so that uh, well, you know. 2,635,000 jobs were lost and unemployment is uh new jobs new uh, unemployment claims are going up 
but uh, we really created 350,000 new jobs. It's all BS. The Biden administration is changing everything to in, to influence uh, influence the election, to influence... They're trying to make people think that, you know, the economy's good. Nobody feels it, but they're telling us that you just don't, you just haven't, haven't started feeling it yet. You know, you go to the gas pump and it's five bucks a gallon in California and it's still three and a half everywhere else. And, uh, you know, it used to be uh, two bucks or less everywhere else except for California. And, uh, you know, you just, you, the economy's great. You're doing great. You just don't realize it. You know, the fact that you got a more month left at the end of your money than uh, rather than having a more money left at the end of the month, um, that's not real. But anyway, if you uh, if realize that when you're uh, when you're uh, rearranging your your debts or you're buying property, you have a long term relationship with your property. You have a short term relationship with your job. So uh, great time to buy houses right now while the while the competition is is low. And uh, you can you can uh, make that payment go down when the when the rates go down a year from now, and you'll just have a year's worth of equity there. Uh, so if you're if you if you need some help with that, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, day or night, toll free area code eight five five. 640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, talk about real estate and finances, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, then put in what you, we'll do the, the cyber thing. You can put in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you want, if there's any part of the show you uh, you uh, missed, or you want to hear it when it's not on the radio, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can uh, where you can subscribe for free. Just go on your podcast app on your phone or your computer. Uh, that purple uh, that purple big circle thing, and uh, search Ed Hoffman the main event, and you'll see that that picture of my uh, mug from. Uh, 15 years ago, and uh, apparently uh, my brother-in-law set up my iTunes account, and uh, my brother has uh, my brother-in-law since passed, and uh, nobody knows the the passwords to get into it, so we can't change the picture. But hey, that's what I looked like before, and uh, just add 15 years to it, and that's what I look like now. So uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. So let's get on to what's going on. Before I uh, use up the whole uh, the whole uh, first half lollygag in here, a drone attack on Sunday in Jordan near Syrian border carried out by a loose coalition of Iran-backed militant groups known as the Islamic Resistance in Iraq killed three American soldiers and injured another 34. The Pentagon identified Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, 46 years old, Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders, 24, and Specialist Brianna Moffitt, 23, all of Georgia, as the three Army service members killed in the attack. In addition, at least 34 service members were injured, at least eight whose injuries warranted an evacuation from Jordan to to a higher level care. You know, they're injured to a level where, you know, they blew off off limbs or, uh, you know, arms or legs or something to that effect. This is the latest in more than 160 attacks on U.S. troops in the Middle East since mid-October. So I guess this approach didn't work out too well. I have one word. Don't. Don't. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? 
don't. Don't, don't, don't. 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 What's the message to Iran? Don't. As President Biden said, just don't. Exactly. One word. Pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Apparently they didn't get the message because they've been doing, not don't. And uh, what's been our reaction? Nothing. So what's the U.S. going to do about it? Same thing. Nothing. Well, we got several versions of the same answer all week, all week long from multiple members of the Biden administration. Here's John Kirby and Defense Press Secretary General Pat Ryder. I certainly can't deny the fact that there have been a series of uh, attacks now increasingly lethal over weeks and months, which is why the president is going to be reviewing what the appropriate response is going forward. We don't want to see these attacks continue, uh, and we want to make it clear uh, that they're unacceptable. He's going to have options to look at as commander-in-chief, and he'll make the right decision. We're not looking for a broader war in the region. We certainly aren't looking for a a conflict with Iran. Uh, But make no mistake, Iran is supporting these groups that are resourcing them, training them. We will respond. We'll do that a time and a manner of our choosing. I don't think we could be any more clear uh, that we have called on the Iranian proxy groups to stop their attacks. Uh, They have not. uh, And so uh, we will respond in a time and manner of our choosing. We don't want to have a conflict with Iran. No, we don't want to do that. We want to be nice to them because if you be nice to, to mean people, they'll be nice to you. Not... You know, and, and we'll respond in a time and manner of the of our choosing. Uh, you notice that both uh, John Kirby and uh, General Pat Ryder both use that same exact phraseology. I guess that's in their in their uh, talking points of here's the way we're gonna say it. We're gonna respond in a time and manner of our choosing. Amazing. All week long, we've waited for the president to address the matter properly, not just hesitating to blame Iran before boarding the helicopter or muttering his condolences before a meeting with his cabinet. Unfortunately, we did get a hint of what we what we might be doing to retaliate because someone in the Biden administration apparently leaked information to Politico. They reported on Monday, Biden, who has a well-known desire to limit conflict and avoid dragging the United States into another Middle East war. Wow. Let me just let me just. Let me just let me just bask in that one. He has a he has a well-known desire to limit conflict and avoid dragging the United States into another Middle East war. Seems like that's all he's done is get us into wars. Has he has directed his team to drop military options in response to the weekend attack. Among the options on the table for the Pentagon, striking Iranian personnel in Syria or Iraq, or Iranian naval assets in the Persian Gulf, according to officials. The officials suggested that once the president gave the go-ahead, the retaliation would likely begin in the next couple of days and come in waves, in, in, in waves against a range of targets. Sounds like a line from the American president. It's a proportional response. Someday someone's going to have to explain to me the virtue of a proportional response. Yeah, well, maybe we can figure out how we can hit them and only kill three people and injure 34. Let's be careful. Let's be careful. You know, tip it, you know, my opinion is, my opinion is, you know, they, they kill one of our people. Let's kill a hundred of theirs. Republicans, the Republican leaders in Congress are speaking out on what they think we should do to retaliate against Iran. Speaker Mike Johnson said, America must crystallize a clear message across the globe that attacks on our troops will not be tolerated. Steve Scalise said, This tragedy was avoidable. 
For years now, Biden has emboldened Iran, sending them billions and tolerating their aggression against our troops. America must show strength. And of course, Lindsey Graham, hit Iran now and hit them hard. Well, I would have to agree with all three of those. But Nikki Haley, you know, I have to, I should probably throw in that that line from uh, from the uh, Million Dollar Baby, girly tough ain't enough. Nikki Haley disagrees with Senator Graham. This is not about hitting Iran hard. This is about hitting Iran smart. It's making sure, I don't know what Biden is waiting on. He has got to strengthen those sanctions. When he loosened them, he allowed billions of dollars from China to go into Iran when they imported oil. You've got to take away the money from Iran because that takes away the money from the proxies. That's the first thing they need to do. The second thing they need to do is to go and take out any of the production sites that are allowing them to do this in Iraq and Syria, that they're coming from. And then the third thing is you have to figure out which Iranian leaders are making the decisions and you take them out. This isn't about hitting Iran. This is about being strategic and smart about what you do take out. When you do that, you're taking away their capabilities of hurting more American soldiers. Iran knows that they can't defeat America. They know that they don't want to take that on. The problem is they smell blood in the water. They've smelled weakness from Biden since Afghanistan to Ukraine and everything in between. So they're doing what they can because because they can. But until you take their money away, you are continuing to pay for them to injure and kill American soldiers. That's the part Biden needs to understand is he's actually giving them the money to do it. Yeah, that's what we should do. Give them financial uh, sanctions. We already gave them $6 billion. What are we going to do now? Try to limit their their profit on, on oil or something? We're going to drive the price of oil down? Maybe we should have done that before we gave them $6 billion. So let's do that. You know, hey, after you kill Americans, we're going to we're going to cut off your credit cards. Iranians smell smell weakness. They smell, as as uh, Nikki Haley said, they smell blood in the water. They smell weakness. The whole world smells smells weakness in the United States and they have to act while they still have time. You got to take what you can, when you can, while you can, and you got to do it now. That's what the big boys do. Yep, that's how a uh, strongly thinking strategist in the world do hey they see hey this biden character is in there for 11 more months let's uh let's take what we can while we can for as long as we can republicans mike waltz of uh, florida has some more specific ideas does joe biden have any of these things in mind well don't ask me to get in the head of of uh of, of president biden john but i'll tell you what i'd recommend uh there's a lot of room between these kind of feckless attacks bombing warehouses in the middle of the night, taking out some militia leaders, and actually hitting Tehran proper. You hit IRGC operatives that are running around Iraq in the Middle East training these militias. Uh, Soleimani's successor uh, is also freely moving around that could be targeted. Or uh, to go up another wrong and escalation ladder, and this is a twofer, the Karg oil terminal, uh, which exports about 90% of Iranians' oil and is offshore, now you're drying up the and hitting something uh, that that they care about. So I think there's a number of, of things that we should have done a while ago. I hope the president takes decisive action before we lose any more soldiers. Yeah, I hope he de- takes decisive action uh, yesterday. Not yesterday, last month. Maybe the month before. He should have done it before he gave him $6 billion. This guy is so incompetent. And I'll tell you that I'm going to... I'm, I want reparations. I want reparations for all the damage to this, to, to this country and to me personally 
for everybody who vote for this for this clown, which I'm sure none of them are listening to this show. Meanwhile, while we're wringing our hands, here's what the chief of Iranian Revolutionary Guard is saying about the prospect of war with us. And notice when you hear this clip, notice the tone of voice from the from the chief of Iranian Revolutionary Guard uh, while he's saying the words that the translator is just calmly speaking. You know that we do not leave any threats unanswered. While we are not looking for war, we are not afraid of war, and we do not run away from it. Well, we are not looking for war. We're not afraid of it. No, when they, you hear the translator, it's all calm, and you know you think about the words. But this guy, this guy is is being fierce. He's being fierce. He's being he's being forceful, and he's saying that with anger in in his voice. But you know what? Joe Biden is licking his chocolate chip cookie ice cream cone. I'm sure Iran is terrified after hearing what our White House has said so far. Not. Joe Biden is too scared to point the blame at them because Biden only answers questions when they're about to board, board a Marine One. The audio is terrible on this, and so I'll just read the exchange with the reporter on Monday. So the reporter says, do you hold Iran responsible for the death of those three Americans? And Biden says, I do hold them responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to people who did it. But directly responsible? Well, we'll have that discussion. Well, you know, what a show of strength. What a show of strength. Biden is a weak suck. Biden is, it doesn't scare anybody. And, you know, you want your enemies to be afraid of you and you want your allies to, to respect you. And we don't have any of that with Joe Biden. But you know what? He doesn't do mean tweets, and uh, he doesn't look orange when they make him up to go in front of the cameras, and, uh, you know, he doesn't speak from the cuff and tell us what he's thinking and how we're feeling. He doesn't say the stuff that we're hoping he would say, like Trump did, um, except for the, the Democrat. Well, he's not very presidential because he's telling the truth. But, you know, here's another here's another thing that I thought of. Well, hey... Uh, they're responsible in a sense they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. Hmm, does that sound like hypocrisy to you? Let's think about our the war in Ukraine. Ukraine is fighting Russia. We don't want to let the Russians think that we're in a war against them. We're just going to supply the weapons to, the, to Ukraine. So what does that mean? Are we responsible? Are we really at war with Russia? Well, I've been saying it for about... A year and a half or two years, however long it's been in there, you know we can we can supply supply them. Everybody in the whole world knows that we're supplying weapons to them. You don't think uh, uh, Vladimir Putin knows that? He knows he's in a he's in a proxy war with uh, with America. The only thing we're not giving them we're we're giving them billions and billions of dollars of our weapons. The only thing we're not doing is giving them trained trained uh, soldiers to operate those weapons so we can just keep giving them and giving them and giving them and giving them and you know how he justifies all that stuff is well all the billions i'm asking for from congress is just to replenish replenish our uh, our uh, all the weapons that we gave to ukraine really well we had those weapons we didn't have to we didn't have to uh we didn't have to give them give them to them so we wouldn't have to replenish them and then you wouldn't have to send all your send all our tax money over there you could actually seal the border build the wall you know uh drill for oil you could do a lot of things a lot of good things with good with money then we've got this puzzling acknowledgement from his press secretary 
What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three brave, of, uh, three folks who are, who are military folks, who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people, obviously more so, more importantly, uh, we lost those souls. And they were brave and uh, we lost people that died that were brave and they were soldiers and they were brave and they were brave soldiers. Sounds like she's channeling a little of uh, Kamala Harris there and with a little bit of uh, airheadishness from uh, her boss, Joe Biden. I've got a lot more to say about this and a lot more to play on this on this subject, but I think this is a good place to stop uh, before we run out of time for the first half. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, commercials, and I'll be right back with lots more on this Iran versus U.S. conflict. to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, but the other six days and uh, 23 hours a week, that's what I'm doing other than sleeping. Uh, so if you uh, if you want to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities out there, you want to rearrange some of your uh, some of your debt on some with some of the equity in your that in your properties that you own. If you'd like to purchase a piece of property that you'd like to own, or whether you'd like to find out about one of them reverse mortgage things, and whether any of those properties are in California or another state, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. So uh, before the break, we were talking about our. Uh, the mighty wings that the United States has that none of us are 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 taking their taking them for a ride and showing uh, showing Iran and the other and the other uh, terrorists in this in this world what we're about. We have we have the strongest military and the greatest intelligence. We just aren't using any of it. So uh, there's some comforting words from the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, that he that he he put out there uh, regarding this regarding this uh, Middle East uh, conflict between uh, the proxies of Iran and the United States? I think it's very important to note that this is an incredibly volatile time in the Middle East. Um, I would argue that we've not seen a situation as, as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973, and arguably uh, even, uh, even before that. 1973 was the Yom Kippur War uh, in Israel and with Israel, and uh, we haven't seen things as as explosive as they are right now. Think about this: four years ago, uh, Trump didn't have us in any wars, and we all we did was uh, take out 
take out uh, ISIS and uh, uh, Qasem Soleimani, and uh, we didn't really have anything going on in the world uh, because everybody knew that the United States was going to step in. And the guy behind behind the uh, the gas pedal had the had the had the guts to push it and make the United States show everybody that we're the strongest and the and the smartest in the world and don't mess with us and we don't we don't uh, we don't let you attack us without we give, uh, killing you back uh, tenfold and we don't uh, and we don't allow you to mess with our friends either. But you know, Anthony Blinken saying this. And at least he's, but at least he's being honest. But compare this to what National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said on September 29th, one week before the Hamas strike on Israel on October 7th. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. What? Did he just say that? Obviously, he's talking that. Talking out his butt because his mouth knows better. You know, he's the national security advisor. He had no idea there was a powder keg about ready to explode. Something's wrong here. Something's really wrong here. Um, was he being naive or was he just lying? What? Let me rephrase that. Was he being stupid or was he just lying? I think uh, probably both. Even the New York Times reported Jake Sullivan's quieter Middle East comments did not age well. Now let's remember how things were when it came to managing Iran and what they might be again. Here's Trump sounding off on Iran this week. It wouldn't have happened if I were in the White House. You would have never had this attack. When I was president, Iran had no money. They had no money to do this. They had money to live, but they didn't have money to do this. Iran now has $200 billion dollars. And they're spreading their money all over the place. And things are happening that would have never happened with me. Yeah, clearly things were calm, peace throughout the world, because he showed strength. There's no peace through peace through uh, through niceness. It's only peace through strength. And here's how we know this is true. Trump's own words on January 3rd, 2020, announcing that he had taken out IRGC commander Qasem Soleimani. Under my leadership, America's policy is unambiguous to terrorists who harm or intend to harm any American. We will find you. We will eliminate you. We will always protect our diplomats, service members, all Americans, and our allies. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and its ruthless Quds Force under Soleimani's leadership, has targeted, injured, and murdered hundreds of American civilians and servicemen. The recent attacks on U.S. targets in Iraq, including rocket strikes that killed an American and injured four American servicemen very badly, as well as a violent assault on our embassy in Baghdad, were carried out at the direction of Soleimani. We took action last night to stop a war we did not take action to start a war. The United States has the best military by far anywhere in the world. We have the best intelligence in the world. If Americans anywhere are threatened, we have all of those targets already fully identified, and I am ready and prepared to take whatever action is necessary. And that in particular refers to Iran. 
Remember when it was? Remember what it was like when you heard your president speak to make you feel proud to be American, to make you feel like, uh, hey, we've got someone at the at the at the in the driver's seat that has his eyes open and knows what he's doing. He's not kind of drifting off to sleep. You know, you're driving home from a from a night out partying, and the guy that you, the the designated driver is wasted, and you just wonder when he's going to bump into something. That's what we have now. We have the best military and the best intelligence. We just don't use any of it. Remember when we were kids and, you know, it was, uh, you know, whoever had the fastest car, you're drag racing with your friends and you say, hey, you know what? It's not how fast the car is. It's the nut behind the gas pedal, that how, you, how tight the nut is behind the gas pedal that makes all the difference. If you, don't have, if you don't have somebody pushing the gas pedal on the fastest car out there, you can't win races. If you don't have somebody who has the who has the uh, has the guts to pull the trigger, you can have the greatest gun in the world. I mean, you watch that movie uh, uh, American Sniper, and you see when Chris Kyle's looking at stuff, and he's and he's, you know, he has the, he had the guts to pull the trigger to save to to kill the terrorists to save American lives. It's you know, I watch it and I just go, man. I'm glad we got guys like that. Well, we had guys like that. So let's go on. Let's go on to uh, Chinese Chinese doing the cyber thing this week. On Wednesday, the Department of Justice announced that hundreds of routers taken over by a hacking program called Volt Typhoon injected malware into hundreds of home and small business routers throughout the United States. It breached our critical infrastructure sectors, including communications, energy, transportation, and water. The name Volt Typhoon may sound like an American hacking group, but it's not. It's actually backed by, you guessed it, the Chinese Communist Party. The Department of Justice says they were able to dismantle the bot network by removing the malware inside the routers of American victims and also took, took further steps to prevent routers from being reinfected. Hopefully that's true. But, you know, that's pretty crazy that the, that the Chinese Communist Party can affect the routers in our houses and... Uh, and our government can do it as well. They can control our routers. They uh, then they took further steps to prevent the routers from being reinfected. You know, you got a router on your desk that the cable company gave you when they hooked up your internet, or maybe you went down to uh, Best Buy and got one to make sure you have internet. And these guys are controlling that. Scary. From the Associated Press. The operation announced just before FBI Director Chris Wray addressed House lawmakers disrupted a botnet of hundreds of U.S. small base, small office, and home routers owned by private citizens and companies that had been hijacked by the Chinese hackers to cover their tracks as they sowed the malware. Their ultimate targets included water treatment plants, the electrical grid, and transportation systems across the United States. Which, uh, considering that I was uh, in the last week of January when this happened, I flew back to uh, to West Virginia and I flew back, and this could have affected our transportation systems. You know what that means? That means uh, when they disrupt our transportation systems, pilots and control towers don't communicate well, and uh, you know trains come off their tracks. And all kinds of stuff happens, and that's what they were doing. Here's FBI Director Christopher Wray testifying Wednesday before the House Select Committee on Chinese Communist Party. To quantify what we're up against, the PRC has a bigger hacking program than that of every major nation combined. In fact, in fact, if you took every single one of the FBI's cyber agents and intelligence analysts and focused them exclusively on the China threat, 
China's hackers would still outnumber FBI cyber personnel by at least 50 to 1. China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it the defining threat of our generation. They don't just hit our security and economy, they target our freedoms, reaching inside our borders across America to silence, coerce, and threaten some of our citizens and residents. Yeah, well, maybe we should uh, spend our money uh, uh, hiring more cyber guys at the FBI than uh, than IRS agents to audit to audit people to get our tax money. Maybe we should uh, spend money on uh, protecting us from uh, cyber threats uh, and the Chinese than uh, spending money on making sure illegal aliens have a place to uh, to sleep and eat and free uh, free health care and free everything else. Maybe we should close our borders. Maybe we should, you know, there's so, there's so much waste. There's so much waste that this that this country is is watching happen in front of them, and the fact that 33 there's a 33 uh, percent approval rating on Joe Biden and his administration. Who are those 33 people out of 100? How can you know? I look at the people on uh, on uh, the liberal stations, CNN, MSNBC, you know, the View, all these things. What are they thinking? Don't they have eyes? Also testifying before the committee was Jen Easterly, director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. You didn't really know that we had a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency, did you? She explained how China could use a hack like this to inflict pain on American citizens on a massive scale. Imagine not one pipeline, but many pipelines disrupted. Uh, telecommunications going down so people can't use their cell phone. People start getting sick from polluted water. Trains get derailed. Air traffic control system, port control systems are malfunctioning. This is truly an everything, everywhere, all at once scenario. Yeah, I know the Chinese don't need us to tell them what what they what they can do. They know. Uh, maybe maybe uh, Biden will send Janet Yellen over there to tell them that we want to have a healthy healthy competition uh, in our economic, and we don't want to have a winner take all t- take all manner. Instead, uh, you know, we what we need to do is get free of needing China for anything, anything. Start producing our own our own uh, our own uh, oil and gas. Produce our own chips. Produce everything. Pull Apple out of China. And hey, Apple iPhones are going to go up a little bit because American labor is probably a little bit more expensive. And maybe to to uh, to ease that off, maybe take some of the some of the regulations against corporations down so that we can actually operate operate efficiently. Um, maybe that would be a good idea to improve the lives of Americans. And I might add, there have been more than 15,000 encounters with Chinese migrants at the border in just the last three months. Yeah, Chinese people looking for asylum. They walk over the Chinese border into Mexico. They must have scuba equipment, I guess, uh, while they do that. They just walk over the border into Mexico, then they come to the southern border in California and Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and say... Uh, we're seeking asylum from our country. Well, why didn't you walk into a country that was near you then? 6,000 of those just in December alone, uh, according to the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. What are they coming here for? I don't know. What are these people up to? You could see the 
a chart uh, from uh, Newsweek magazine, and it shows the encounters and how all of a sudden, just in the last three months, it, it just skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. China smells blood in the water, too, and they know they only have 11, 11 months left. So... <sighs> Can we afford another 11 months with Biden at the at the reins? I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. This is this is some scary stuff, folks. And we got people coming over from the Middle East. We got people coming over from China. We don't know who they are. We need to close the border three years ago. Oh, yeah, it was closed three years ago. I'm sorry. Uh, what was I thinking? Suddenly, it seems like the Biden administration has has an appetite to fix the border. They just don't. They're just not going to execute. When he's drowned out by the noise of the presidential helicopter, Joe Biden suddenly seems overcome by a sudden appetite to fix the border. Maybe that's because he can't get too much pushback when he gives answers that make it sound like being the president of the United States is a powerless position. You know what? Uh, He doesn't have the power or the money to do anything. It's the Republicans fault. For the past few months, Biden's been saying it's Congress's fault for not giving him more money, also known as a blanket amnesty deal for millions of illegals who are here, bundled with more money for Ukraine and some crumbs for Israel. And, of course, you know, we still say, remember uh, Chuck Schumer saying, we're going to give you all the support that you need. Of course, Congress passed $14.3 billion for Israel. Chuck Schumer hasn't put it up for a vote in the Senate at all. So uh so Biden is still saying saying that he that it's the the Republicans fault. But now he's also claiming they're not giving him the right people, judges or power to do anything as a president of the United States. Let that sink in. Have you done everything you can do with executive authority? Or is there more you can do? Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people to judge. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. Have you done everything that you can do with with executive authority? Was there more you could do? Uh, I've done all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked since the very day I got into office. Give me the border border control. Give me the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. Really? Come on. Even even Obama was able to keep it under control uh, to a certain point. And Trump had it under control. Stay in Mexico, border wall going up. You know, when the it's funny how when the, the the people coming over the border they see the border wall going up. They don't rush to, to get across. They don't rush to get across in the places the border wall's not there. They just stopped coming because they knew they weren't welcome. Last week, a Supreme Court order allowed federal law enforcement to tear down state-erected razor wire along the Texas-Mexico border, which means the Biden administration can actually force Border Patrol agents to cut it. As if that isn't bad enough, some Democrats have called on Biden to nationalize the Texas National Guard and force them to do it. Cut down the barriers they erected to protect their state. Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, reacted to Biden's claim of helplessness and revealed the state's plan to deal with the razor wire being cut. Anytime anyone says, I've done everything I can do, we all know you can always do more. In his case, he's done absolutely nothing except uh, reverse and repeal every executive order that 
President Donald Trump put in place that helped secure the border and gave us the most secure border we've had in decades. I've said that, you know, look, there are many people crossing here. We need legal immigration reform. People should not have to come across the border drowning in the river in the back of an 18-wheeler. But for all those people who should come here legally processed and vetted uh, in that group, are hundreds of thousands, thousands and thousands of criminals, uh, murderers, molesters, gang members, drug dealers, carjackers, kidnappers, you name it. They're part of this group and terrorists. We know from countries all over the world and Joe Biden is doing nothing about it. And then when we do arrest them, they let them out. Either he lets them go in the country or if they get arrested in New York, so, you know, some yeah. social justice judge lets them out on the street. I don't know how you get a cop to work anymore in these big cities. Um, this is I'll, chaos created by the Biden administration in every sector of our life. And we're not going to put up with it in Texas. We're fighting back on the border. They want to cut the wire. We're going to replace it immediately. In fact, we're going to add miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of more wire. Exactly. Now, I heard the Border Patrol saying that make a comment that they're not uh they have no plans to cut the wire but you know that could change in an instant because uh you know biden just wants more people in here they want more democrat voters in here and of course the dmvs are signing all these people up giving them giving them ability to uh to vote and our country is just in a bad way Meanwhile, we're finding out about other states that have been left out of the border conversation so far. We know about Texas. We know about New York. We know about Chicago. Maybe someday the media will take an interest in California, where the highest number of Chinese migrants are crossing over, by the way. And that's a fact. That's not that's not just what we estimate. That is a fact. The Chinese people are coming into California, the Chinese migrants. So maybe the uh, coming over to take over the all the all the Silicon Valley stuff going on. I don't know. I don't know. It's just doesn't look, doesn't look good to me. However, we haven't heard much about Colorado. Turns out that Colorado is suffering too with 36,000 illegals arriving in the past year. And now they're speaking out about it from a local newspaper in Denver, the, the Gazette, Colorado's illegal immigration crisis hits the suburbs. Coloradans watch in horror until recently, hundreds of migrants camped in an, in an illegal tent city, but now live in apartments or group housing. Denver will spend $180 million, 10% of its annual budget, giving illegal immigrants housing, food, and other services. But, it funds, but its funds may not suffice to prevent the collapse of Denver Health, where 8,000 illegal aliens had 20,000 free hospital visits at a cost of $136 million. So let's see, 180 million plus 136 million. Uh, that's uh, 316 million dollars, and their budget is is uh, 100 is 100 is 1.8 trillion. That seems like a lot to me. Fox's Lawrence Jones asked Denver Mayor Mike Johnson about it this week. He answered like a typical Democrat, you know, being careful to uh, being careful not to sound like he wants the border closed, but telling us his problems. Every hotel room we have in the city of Denver is full. We're at 5,000 people in shelter, and we have more coming every day. And so we have to reactivate the policy we've always had, which is you can come and stay for a length of time, uh, but it can't be forever. At what point does your city reach its breaking point? 
Yeah, I think our city is very close to its breaking point now, and we've been talking to leaders in D.C. around the country about why we needed to take action here. I think we have successfully welcomed almost 40,000 migrants in the last year, and, and we know what it takes to do this successfully. We just need that help, and the things we need are, yes, we need federal dollars, but the most important thing is we need you know, work authorization for folks when they arrive, and we need those resources at the border so you can add more security at the border and so you can help process those asylum claims so the folks that do arrive here can work. The challenge we have is you have someone that'll arrive in Denver who's been admitted on an asylum claim, but their court date for their asylum case is six years away. Mm-hmm. And they're in Denver for six years without an ability to work and support themselves. Well, let me point out some things. He said, every hotel room in the city is taken up. You know, and in a city that probably thrives on on corporate, corporate uh, conventions and tourism and that kind of stuff, um, there's no hotel rooms. You want to go in for a football game? There's no hotel rooms. They're all taken up with illegal aliens. So that means tourism stops. And illegal aliens probably don't spend as much money doing the fun stuff that restaurants and bars bars and uh, various tourist uh, locations uh, make money on. And, you know, we have some clarity there, some common sense. We don't have a way to support these people, and they don't have the ability to support themselves. Gee, Gidge, what's a girl to do? You feel bad for the people, but you want to keep their money. <clears throat> then we see the illegals uh, illegals in New York attacking the cops. And then they get arrested, and when they get arrested, they give two, two middle fingers. They flip the bird to the cameras. What they're really doing is flipping the bird to America and saying, screw you guys, this is our country now. I don't know how that makes you feel about America, but folks, pray for this country. Pray for this country and pray that we get Donald Trump back in the White House uh, January 20th of next year and hope we make it that long. Hey, I'm all out of time for this, this episode of the main event. So my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.